Hi everyone. We're thinking about anxiety again tonight. Um, and if you were here two weeks ago, please forgive me uh, for repeating some of the stuff I said then. But if I don't, it won't make much sense to those who weren't here. Um, so could you put your hands up if you weren't here two weeks ago? Okay, thank you. So I'm sure there'll be some people here tonight who wouldn't necessarily consider themselves to be Christians, but my hope is that you'll hear something that'll be helpful for you, um, but also that you might be surprised at how incredibly relevant the Bible is for us today in these issues that we struggle with. We're going to have another look at the video we watched last time. Such a great illustration, isn't it? If you don't relate to one of those guys, you'll definitely know someone who does. Seriously, though, um, just to recap, uh, anxiety is a massive issue today, and even in two sessions, we can really only skim the surface. There's so much more we could say. But many of us, one in four in fact, will have a significant problem with it this year, whether we're Christian or not. Now, suffering from anxiety is not just being a bit worried about something. It takes on a life of its own and kidnaps or ambushes your mind uh, with no notice and leaves you feeling stressed out, exhausted, overwhelmed and unable to relax or to live fully in the present moment. But anxiety is a God-given emotion and it's meant to be a helpful signal that we need to pay attention to something, make a judgment about something. So we can't get rid of it, but it does become a problem when it uh, dominates us, and then it affects us physically, mentally, spiritually, uh, and that's not how the Lord intended us to live. Some of us will need to get professional help, uh, and that might include medication, counselling, like CBT, maybe learning how to be more present in the moment through meditation or mindfulness, um, or a combined approach. And I'd just like to say, if you need it, it's really sensible to get help. You wouldn't walk around with a broken leg without getting professional help, would you? And anxiety is just as debilitating. But whether or not you need professional help, the amazing grace of God is available to all of us who call on him. And just in case you don't realise, or you've forgotten in the midst of your anxiety, the Lord created us out of love. We're made in his image to know by experience how much he loves us and for us to love him in return. Now his desire is that we should choose to live our life in partnership with him, a life that's fruitful and productive and represents him in a way that shows others his true character, who he really is. Contrary to what some of us have been led to believe, he's the God who has a good plan for us, to prosper us and not to harm us. He doesn't condemn us, He's not angry with us or disappointed in us. And he's not waiting to catch us out or shame us. 
John 3.17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus came to reconcile us to our Heavenly Father, to show us who the Father is, full of grace and mercy, the one who brings forgiveness and healing and restoration, not one who wants to control our life or manipulate us. So when we're feeling anxious, please let's remember that he wants us to know by experience that his perfect love casts out fear. Andrew's going to come and read to us now, so if you have one, please open your Bible and go to Philippians 4. Thanks, Andrew. Because we spent some time thinking about anxiety and how it affects us, we only looked at verses 4 to 6 in the last session. Um, so if we go back to verse 4, before Paul even mentions the word anxiety, he tells us to be thankful, to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And the Lord is near. So gratitude is a great antidote to anxiety. Hamden spoke about thankfulness last Sunday. So hopefully you've all spent the week practicing being thankful. It's so important in our incredibly materialistic culture that we turn our attention to what we already have and, and to be thankful for that rather than just being anxious about what we don't yet have. So in verse 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. As I said before, I enjoy word studies. And the word Paul uses for anxious in this verse is the Greek word merimna. Here it means worry, needless or over-anxiety. Interestingly, he also uses the same word two chapters earlier when he's talking about Timothy having genuine concern or interest for the Philippian believers. So depending on the context, merimna can mean either genuine concern or interest or needless or over-anxiety. Now all worry starts in our mind. A thought process is triggered, just like in the video, and within seconds uh, we're gasping for breath in the worst possible scenario. But worry thought patterns often don't have very much truth in them. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 in the Good News translation says, Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. You might remember that we talked about our mind being our greatest asset. And because of that, then it's also spiritually the greatest battleground. If we don't manage our mind, someone else will. Rick Warren talks about the importance of this. He says, It's the key to peace and happiness. An unmanaged mind leads to tension. A managed mind leads to tranquility. 
an unmanaged mind leads to conflict. A managed mind leads to confidence. An unmanaged mind leads to stress. When you don't try to control your mind and the way you direct your thoughts, you will have an enormous amount of stress in your life. But a managed mind leads to strength and security and serenity. Bring it on, I wish I'd known that years ago. So what's the way forward for those who struggle with anxiety? Rick goes on to say, God is often much more interested in changing our minds than our circumstances. He wants to work on you first because transformation won't happen in your life until you renew your mind, until your thoughts begin to change. So the first thing to do is begin to take charge of your mind by admitting to yourself, to God and to safe others that you're feeling anxious. Then use the power of God and your greatest asset, your mind, to help you to do a reality check. Which of your thoughts are genuine concerns and which are over-anxious thought patterns? So the second thing is to determine to face our anxieties and to move forward, taking some action, doing something about it. And then we need to find community. We're not meant to do this on our own. We need the support, kindness and sometimes challenge of God, other people and indeed ourselves to help us on this journey. In the worry book, which is a great read if you suffer from anxiety or just want to know more about it, Will van der Hart talks about two different kinds of worry, solvable worry and floating worry. And solvable worry is concern or worry about things that do have a solution and where action can be taken immediately or in the near future. Now, it's completely right and appropriate to be concerned about your neighbour's welfare, your lonely friend, your ill family member, because your concern is meant to lead you to consider what support you could be, asking what would be helpful for them and making a decision or taking some action. It's possibly questionable how appropriate it is to be over-concerned about, say, what kind of car you want to have or size of house do you need for people to be impressed by you or how many outfits do you need to feel good about yourself. We can't take any of that stuff with us, by the way. So do our concerns line up with kingdom values? Or this floating worry, which is worry about things where there's no answer to be found, no matter how much you worry. It's just what Paul is talking about in the passage, genuine concern or needless anxiety. So, needless anxieties. Am I going to have a job in ten years' time? Well, there's no answer to that today. But what you can do is to work hard now, pray, and trust that the Lord will provide what you need when you need it, as he had before. That's why it's called faith. We can't be certain, but we can choose to trust on the basis of who the Lord is and what he's already provided. 
will I ever meet the right person and get married? Can't answer that either. But let's use the time to become the best person that we can be, to invest in our relationship with the Lord and with others, to be a great friend, a good family member or work colleague. We mustn't allow that worry to hijack our lives today. Let's turn those things into prayer. Needless anxiety robs us of today's joy because we're focusing on tomorrow. But for those who are plagued by worry, it's easy to be swept away on the roller coaster of anxious thoughts, to feel alone, as if you're failing, full of self-condemnation, overwhelmed, and it can feel like it's all down to you. But that's all lies. Let's remember again our amazing God who didn't come into the world to condemn us, but to save us and heal us. So can I just ask whether anyone who was here last time has spent any time thinking about what their solvable worries are and what their floating worries are? Great. Last time we looked at what we some of the things that we generally worry about and these are what came up. So relationships, so we've just touched on some of those. Being alone, being unhappy in one as well. Money, work, job, lack of job or loss of job or unhappy in your job, health concerns about yourself or loved ones, our spiritual journey or someone else's, although on one level that that can be a, a concern rather than an anxiety. Being found out, public humiliation. Yeah, I mentioned last time that um, speaking in public is a really big deal for me. Uh, so let me tell you just one of a number of dreadful public humi- humiliations I've survived. There was a public speaking competition when I was at school. I was probably about 16, I'm guessing. Uh, in the first round, I was asked to do the main talk. There was a, an introduction, then the main talk, and then a vote of thanks. I was asked to do the main talk, um, and it would be to an audience of about 50. I didn't know what to write. But I was taken out by my dad, and uh, we went to Sunday lunch with some family friends. Well, after a couple of glasses of wine, my father wrote an extremely amusing speech for me. And on the back of that, I was chosen to do the vote of thanks in the next round in front of 600 people. Well, I got caught in the lie that I'd written the thing myself. And I didn't dare say that my father would written it for me in case I got us both into trouble. Well, actually, mainly me. And he wasn't around, so he couldn't help me with the next one. And I was paralysed with fear, and I couldn't write anything. Despite pleading with my housemistress not to make me do it, but to find someone else, she refused, and I had to go ahead. It was excruciating. So bad, in fact, that no one knew what to say to me afterwards. 
for some time, days at least, but it felt like months. I felt completely alone and just wanted to disappear. But we all tend to have worry themes, so that one would include public humiliation and fear of rejection or abandonment. So I just want to take a moment now, for you to take a moment, and just identify what your worry themes are. So just shut the Lord, your eyes a minute and let the Lord um, just bring them to mind. Okay, it's really good to know what they are. Because when the thought pattern then comes in, you can say, hang on, that's my worry talking. And take charge. Because you can't always control the thoughts that come in, but you can decide whether or not you're going to give them house room. And the danger with anxious thought patterns is that despite the fact they're properly, they're not probably based in truth or reality, or they'd just be a tiny seed, we tend to believe them. So we need to realise that we have a choice whether to believe them or not. In verse 6 of the message says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Too often I think we pray in a very general way and ask the Lord to take away our circumstances and, and just, ask, um, just ask him to take away our circumstances. But just let's be honest, some of the time at least, we've created those circumstances ourselves. Maybe we say yes to too many things because we're so anxious that if we say no, someone won't like it. They'll say bad things about us or we'll be overlooked next time. Lose all our friends, be rejected and alone. The sad thing is that of course we're much more likely to let people down if we're overcommitted and our fears are then more likely to become reality. Wouldn't it be so much better and healthier if rather than asking him to change the situation, we can ask the Lord to help us discern, or as it says in Psalm 139, to see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So to show me what I need to change, what decision I can make, or action I can take that's going to be helpful to the situation. So let's face our anxieties and determine to move forward together. If we change, those circumstances are far less likely to arise. In the message, in verse 7, it says, It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the centre of your life. So something has to be at the centre of your life. It could be you, it could be worry, or it could be Christ. Your choice. Okay, so as we all know, when Paul wrote to the Philippians, he was on one of his many holidays in Greece. Relaxing, stretched out on a sun lounger with a glass of wine in his hand. Actually, where was he when he wrote the letter? Yeah, he was in prison. But even in prison, Christ had displaced worry at the centre of his life. 
and he had learned to be content, as the Amplified Translation says, with his earthly lot of whatever sort that was, whether in need or in plenty, because he was assured of his salvation and feared nothing from God. So Paul really knew the reality that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So in prison, having someone there to guard, or as the Amplified Version says, garrison and mount guard, was a live daily experience for Paul. So when he chose the word guard, it painted a very real picture for him. Guy standing at a cell, side a cell with a spear in his hand, stopping Paul from escaping, but also refusing to allow in anyone who wasn't authorised to visit. So be assured that if you or anxiety are at the centre of your life, the guard will be off duty and you will not be experiencing the peace of God in the fullness that he intends you to. We're promised the peace of God when we do that, which we can't manufacture ourselves because it's not from the world. It's peace that the world cannot rob us of because it didn't give it in the first place. But we can let it go when we're not managing our minds and Christ is not at the centre, when he's not displacing our worry, but the world cannot rob us of it. Now, this is a battle that we can only begin to win when we decide to admit to and face our anxieties, when we determine to move forward, and when we do that in a community with the Lord's help and grace. So let's turn our hearts now to the great hope and promise that we have at the end of this passage. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, the word means valid, genuine, trustworthy, genuine concerns. Whatever is noble, worthy of respect, kingdom-focused. Whatever is right, in accordance with God's proper standards and actions. Whatever is pure, morally pure and innocent. Whatever is lovely, pleasing to God. Whatever is admirable, facing our anxiety and determining to move forward, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Paul was in prison, living out what he was preaching when he wrote this. And the God of peace The God of peace, who is the God who gives you that peace, not the peace of God, the God of peace, wholeness, the God of wholeness and harmony and safety and might and power and emotional and mental and spiritual health will be with you. Wouldn't it be amazing if it were true that as Christians we learn not to be anxious about anything? so that we truly live differently to the world. It's my absolute longing 
that we're marked out as people who know the peace of God because we know and love the God of peace. That we're people of courage and adventure because anxiety does not hold us captive. That we're people who love one another well because we know the love of our Lord and that we show a true picture of who he really is so that those who don't yet know him can be welcomed in to experience him for themselves. So let's agree together to admit to our anxiety, to face our anxieties, to determine to move forward and take some action, and to find community, because we're not meant to do it on our own. And I just want to finish by quoting from Will van der Hart again in the Worry Book. And I'm speaking to us as the body of Christ here at St. Matt's. As the body of the Church, all of us have to take responsibility for creating a culture that is rich in God's grace and where biblical wisdom on worry is married to practical application. If the wisdom is Perfect love drives out fear, 1 John 4:18. Then it's our corporate responsibility to help warriors to use the perfect love of God in the face of persistent fear. This may involve ongoing prayer, practical support, Bible study, counselling, ministry, discipleship, and most essentially, unconditional love. We need to be great at saying, this wisdom works, and God wants you to find a greater freedom. However long it takes, I want you to know that I am walking with you. Feel no shame, for Jesus is here.